Well, I'm really excited about this next guest uh, segment. For years, I have found myself going to this online magazine to find stories that relate to me as a Black Canadian. BlyBlacks.com is ranked the number one Black Canadian online magazine in the country. And we are joined by Camille Dundas, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of BlyBlacks.com. Welcome, Camille. Good morning, Maggie. Congratulations on the launch of your show. Thank you so much. So tell me, why did you start BuyBlacks.com? Oh, well, first, you know, what's important to know is that it was really the brainchild of my incredible husband, Roger Dundas, Uh uh, almost 10 years ago. Uh, He came to me with an idea of um, a black business directory. Uh, He was working in uh, um, publicity at the time and going around to a lot of uh, different black businesses in Toronto and noticing a trend that most of them didn't have a website and just weren't focusing on promoting themselves. And he's like, well, let's, let's, let's make a space where we can promote all of them at the same time. I was like, awesome, great idea. And a friend of ours said, okay, this is, this is a great idea, but you got to give people a reason to come back to the website. Why don't you do stories about the businesses? And I was working in journalism at the time, and it was just a natural synergy, <laughs> so a, a natural um, thing for me to take over that part. So I became the editor, and he became the publisher. And we've been telling amazing stories about Black Canadians all over the country um, for almost 10 years now. You've been doing a great job of that. Thanks so much, Camille, for filling that space. I remember growing up, my dad would always grab, and you might relate to this, Mm -hmm. leave the West Indian store every Saturday and you would grab a copy of Share Magazine and Contrast. Do you remember Contrast back in the day? And uh, and those were the two. He'd grab those, and yeah. you know he'd leaf through them, and and we'd re- he'd read some articles. And so mm-hmm. I feel like this is like, and you know, uh, kudos to Share and Contrast back then. I know Share is still around. But I feel like uh, this is a modern take on that as well, with just a, a fresh new approach. Tell me about some of the. I I just love the stories that you cover, and I've had friends who you featured uh, on by Blacks. Tell yeah. tell our viewers, viewers, our listeners about some of the mm. stories that you cover. Yeah, it's a wide range, right? Yeah. But right now, for example, we have a cool story about a, a digital library, right? Yes, just like like this. little little cool stories that you may have never heard of. Um, it's called the Library of Infinity. So that's on the front page of of our of our magazine uh, this week, and it was um, conceptualized first, just you know, a, a project called Black Libraries Matter by a Montreal-based uh, artist, and then she just turned it into so it was a physical library, right? And then she turned it into a digital library that's interactive and it's kind of like an archive of afro diasporic creators so it's books music film it's it's beyond books and then you can go in there and interact with it and leave um, a, a note about your own experience with a piece of black literature or or some type of um, creation so it's, it's like a, da- a database one thing that's very important um, I think to the the, the black community is uh, preservation mm-hmm. and archiving of of our life experience because our life experience have been denigrated and oppressed for so many years. This is something that is, that is uh, really valuable to our community. So I'm not surprised to see more creators focusing on archiving and, and uplifting and preserving um, our stories and our history. I'm going to ask you a really obvious question. And I say it's obvious because I think it's obvious to me, but I think Mm -hmm. for our listeners, I think it's important to hear the answer to this. Why is buyblacks.com important in the media yeah. world? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, and I, I took a big sigh there. Yeah. Only because when you ask me that question, it triggers uh, a lot of the negative experience mm-hmm. that I've had in, in building this website. And when I say negative experience, it comes out of a lot of people feeling like, why do you need a website that focuses only on Black Canadians? Mm. And I, the number of times that I have been called a racist, the number of times I have been, I've gotten hate mail, both physical, number of stalkers that I've had to report, uh, lots of lots of online and in-person um, uh, aggression mm-hmm. um, over the fact that we want to uh, focus on on uplifting Black Canadians is is really hurtful, uh, but something I've just gotten used to now because. There is such a um, denial that happens in Canada, right? Um, uh, I would say a collective denial that we have in Canada uh, that we have a problem with racism, um, that we have um, bias, that we have inequities. We really love to think of ourselves as the good guys. As, you know, when you hear, you know, our premier a couple of years ago saying stuff like, you know, we don't, after the, the murder of George Floyd, saying things like we don't have the historical roots of racism that the U.S. has. And so we pride ourselves on, um, on this sort of moral high ground when, in fact, our, our history shows that, for example, we also held enslaved people in Canada. Yes. You know, and, and like you, Maggie, growing up, I'm sure you remember me growing up in Toronto, the only concept of black people in Canada that I had was the heritage minute of the underground yes. railroad, right? Yes. That's, that, that's what we grew up on. And so that is, that is how we, that is intentional. It's not by mistake. Right. Um, and it's also intentional that we went through elementary school, high school here, never learning that enslaved black and indigenous people uh, existed in Canada, never learning that James McGill, for example, the founder of McGill university owned six enslaved black people, that priests, nuns, business people, parliamentarians all held black enslaved people. It was a sign of wealth in Canada. That is all completely erased from our national conversation. Right. And so it's no surprise to me that people are kind of dumbfounded when you become uh, a little bit loud about why we need some type of corrective you know, measure or some type of uh, um, um, space where we can celebrate ourselves. Because I worked in mainstream media for almost over 10 years mm. as a producer, as a writer. And I had a front row seat to how the black community was covered. Things are absolutely changing now. I will absolutely say that. But just, you know, I I mean, I was in media from, you know, in the 2000s, not that long ago. And, um, you know, the just as an example, the the number of experts that we booked on the show. I look back and I think at least probably eight out of 10 of the experts that we booked on the show were never black. And the only time that we brought in uh, black ex- quote unquote experts was when we we're talking about race or when it was black history month. And so something like by blacks, it normalizes black success because we have a section, for example, uh, with uh, black lawyers, financial advisors, um, parenting experts, fitness experts, all of that, just, just talking about, you know, um, uh, advice and life experience, people who happen to be black. And I feel that the more we can normalize that and show people that, hey, like, 
black people aren't just, you know, this, this idea that you have of them as, you know, the people who serve you when you go uh, to a hotel or, you know, uh, uh, in um, public transit, um, we, we are a lot more. Yeah. Right. And so that's to me, like the, the, what, to answer your question, why is it needed? Um, and why is it needed in media uh, more specifically is because there's a huge gap there. Yeah. That's why it's needed. And you know what? It w- I would love to be put out of a job 20 years from now. I really would. <laughs> I would love to say, you know what? Hey, listen, we actually don't need to do this anymore because when I turn on the TV, um, I can see normalized to black success. Yeah. And I would encourage those that are listening that are not black to visit by blacks.com because that will also, as you said, Camille, change yeah. your mindset of how you see black people and just Canadian culture and the role that black people play. We're mm-hmm. going to come back with you, Camille. We're going to take a mm-hmm. quick break. You have an interesting story that's going to be launching on the website that we want to share. Again, we're listening to Camille Dundas. She is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of buyblacks.com. You're also listening to Toronto this weekend on 640 Toronto. We're back with Camille Dundas. She's the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Canada's leading black Canadian online magazine, buyblacks.com. Camille, you have a a heartbreaking, very sad Mm -hmm. story uh, that's going to be on the website uh, about some really unfortunate events that took place earlier this year. Four-year-old little Michelle, uh, tell me about this story. Yeah, it's tragic, but an important one to tell. And uh, one of our writers, Marcus Medford, is working on this for us. It'll be it'll be up sometime this week. People may remember at the end of July. I certainly can't get it out of my mind. Uh, I remember exactly where I was standing when I saw this story flash across the television of four year old Michelle Nwaboku, who was struck and killed by a go train mm-hmm. in Mississauga. Um, the story has so many points of tragedy, tragedy, starting with her parents were visiting, um, her father was visiting his brother uh, in Mississauga uh, because two days earlier, their mother had passed away. Oh. So they were gathering to talk about funeral plans, etc. So all the children, all the, the both families were together and the children uh, aging, M- M- Michelle was four years old, but, you know, she was with her cousins, uh, eight, nine, uh, there was even uh, an older cousin there as well. And they were, they went downstairs to the park uh, to play. And little Michelle was chasing a butterfly. Mm. And she chased this butterfly right across the train tracks. Mm. The train was coming, the other children ran, but Michelle froze. And she was killed instantly. Um, her, imagine, of course, her father and, and mother running, hearing this news, running down to see this scene, right? Um, she would have been five on December 10th. And they had promised her a big birthday party mm. for her fifth birthday. And so they decided to create this inaugural uh, at this annual, rather, um, variety show to honor her and to raise awareness about community safety. It's been beautiful to see how the community has come together for this event. You have the biggest 
R&B star in Canada, Julie Black, mm. headlining this show, um, along with lots of other uh, local and international uh, stars who are who are coming to the stage um, to, to put on this show uh, and and to honor uh, Michelle, affectionately known as Mimi. So the the uh, it, it's called the the Butterfly Show in remembrance of Mimi. So they've started this project, the Butterfly yeah. po- Project. And yes. uh, and really to create uh, community awareness and to influence mm. the government about safety steps to be taken yeah. uh, when it comes to kids playing in hazardous areas like this, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like this train mm-hmm. track. I, I mean, tell me about what do you know about this? I mean, what, were there yeah. blockades? Was there anything that so, were there signs? Like, how could yeah, this happen? I know, I know, and that's that's what you think about, right? Yeah. So it, it's just. It's just incredible to me that we that we still have wide open train tracks. Right. And again, going back to my childhood, you know, when I was growing up near a place called Military Trail, I remember walking in and and picking picking random flowers with my sister and brother right near the train tracks, and yeah. we it was just open, right? Um, and there were there was some fencing um, around this area, um, but I think it is an issue of the maintenance of that fencing. Um, as uh, Marcus, our writer, has found uh, just in his cursory research, for example, there was an opening in that fencing that commuters um, had been using as a shortcut for for quite a while to access the the platform uh, and the train station. Okay. And so it's an issue of, um, you know, is CP and Metrolinx, are they keeping track of when these things need to be um, um, repaired? Shortly after Michelle's death, you could see uh, workers re- patching up parts of the fence. But just a few weeks later, an adult woman was killed in the same area. Oh, my goodness. In the same area, just wow. two or three weeks later. So it really begs the question, what are we doing here? Yeah. And why aren't we? And there's literally a park, a children's park, like right near there. So, you know, why are we not placing more importance on this? Um, Marcus has told me um, he's tried to get a hold. There, of course, there was an investigation launched um, by CP, um, and he uh, is trying to get some answers out of them. The father has said he hasn't heard from them in months. Um, so we're all trying to trying to get some answers and at least you know, get some uh, uh, community momentum going to, to, to tell the authorities that, listen, this is something that we need to prioritize. Right. And there have been 55 train track fatalities right. in Ontario this year alone, and the year's not even right. done yet. That's right. Do you know how right. the family's doing? You know, I haven't spoken to them personally, Marcus yeah. has, but, you know, one thing that, that, that I noted just following them through the media um, the fact that they were able to even speak about this yeah. to the media really was incredible to me. Um, this showed that an, uh, a remarkable amount of strength um, that they were able to, in, even in that moment, see the bigger picture that this is a message that, that needs to get out, that we need to, to prioritize community safety. And the fact that they are channeling um, the insurmountable grief I can imagine they're going through, the fact that they are channeling it through um, this positive uh, butterfly project and, 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 and this um, a celebration of her life, you know, is really, really admirable to me. So. Wow. Well, thank you, Camille, for just sticking on that story. 
you know, I think most of the media has moved on. And it's important to stick to these stories, especially as they impact our community and how we can get involved. Again, the Variety Show, which features, as you said, Juno Award winner and Canada Walk of Fame inductee Julie Black, alongside a lineup of amazing talent, takes place at Rama Conference Center, located at 40 Carl Hall Road in North York on Saturday, December 10th. 2022, obviously this year. And uh, as you said, coincides with Michelle's fifth birthday. General admission is $50 and reserve seating uh, is available for $100. And again, all this is going to go to a really good cause. Thank you so much, Camille. I know that this is going to be a regular segment. I can't wait to connect with you each week and to hear what Buy Blacks is covering. And thank you for doing this great work. Thank you, Maggie. And I just want to tell listeners, if they would like to support uh, Michelle and her family, please go to gospelconnection.ca to to buy those tickets. Or even just to, if you can't make it very often, I'll buy a ticket to something. And and at least, you know, you can support even if you can't show up in person. So that's gospelconnection.ca. Okay. Thank you, Maggie. Thanks again, Camille. That was Camille Dundas. She is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Canada's leading Black Canadian online magazine, buyblacks.com. This is Toronto This Weekend. I'm Maggie John. You're listening to 640 Toronto.